0: Football Social Daily, Premier League Review.
1: Welcome to Football Social Daily. This is the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. And as it's a Sunday, it means it's time to review all the action from another weekend packed full of talking points. Yes, it really did happen. Manchester City, the Premier League champions, beaten by new boys Norwich City. Daniel Fark getting the better of Pep Guardiola 3-2 it finished a result which will be heralded at Carrow Road for years to come I'm sure of it and more than likely equally heralded 250 miles away from Norwich on Merseyside as it means that now Liverpool are five points clear at the top of the Premier League table elsewhere a Tammy Abraham treble took him to the top of the scoring tree or at least now he's level with Sergio Aguero anyway seven goals at Molyneux as Chelsea win 5-2 with three academy products on the score sheet for Frank Lampard But worries for Wolves. Nuno Espirito Santos' side still yet to taste victory this season in the Premier League. And Son was the one for Tottenham in their 4-0 romp over Crystal Palace. His first Premier League goal since April saw Spurs sweep aside Roy Hodgson's men. And talking of sweeping, what happened to the good old-fashioned sweeper? Football has moved on, I admit that. We've seen a couple of calamities at the back this weekend. We'll be talking the risk or reward strategy of playing out from defence. I'm Niall McCorn, alongside me in the studio today, we have returning to Football Social Daily, Johnny Sharples. Hello, Johnny.
2: Hello, how are you?
1: I'm fine, there, I'm looking forward to it. One man who might not be looking forward to it as much, because his side got beaten by Norwich, believe it or not, Alex Hilton. is here. Hello, Alex. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm sure you're pretty good as well, because... Uh, I've just found out that you're now the old Alex Hilton, the pub landlord. <laughs>
0: yes, uh, yes, I've taken on a pub, which has been uh, it's been great, loads of fun, loads of work, and also got to sit in front of the screen and watch a load of football while I'm pretending to be working as well. And just before dream.
1: we start, how many fingers am I holding up? Just, just.
0: Uh, I think that's four. It's it four. four yeah, <laughs> just right. checking
1: you're not half cut when you come into the studio. Uh, right, let's get straight into it. There's only one place to start, and unfortunately for you, Alex. It's with your side, Manchester City, which is not something I'd ever thought I'd say at the top of one of these shows. Unfortunately, we have to talk about a Manchester City defeat, but that's the way it worked out at Carrow Road. On Saturday evening, it was the evening kickoff in the Premier League. Nobody gave Norwich City a hope, which is a foolish thing to do in the Premier League. The score finished 3-2, there were a few mistakes at the back, and we'll talk about those a little bit later on. But first of all, do you have to say it was poor from Manchester City or are you heaping all the credit as a Man City fan on Norwich?
0: A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I, mean, I think it's a massive victory, this one, for everyone who says that the Premier League's boring and it's rubbish and we're just watching Man City win 3-0 yep. and 4-0 every week. And I think those people will be absolutely delighted. Um Credit to Norwich. I think this is what football's all about, isn't it? It's David and Goliath and the little teams doing so brilliantly and beating teams and causing surprises. Mm. And that's what makes it interesting to watch. Uh, Norwich were terrific, and I think they probably should have scored four. um their opportunities. There was a penalty not awarded, which was a sort of semi-jubious shout. I think uh, they moved the ball uh, terrifically well when they got it. They looked energised. And I think they also they play with quite a lot of freedom. They seem to not be... Um, scared none of this they didn't want to pay any respect to City I think the fact that they came into the game with eight or nine players missing through injury suspension and all sorts of stuff so um, credit to Norwich they they, they were terrific and looked like the better team Um, with City where do you start we we were John Stones and Nicholas Otamendi look like they never met each other. Um, Ottomani giving the ball away, I'll I'll write him off that one because that's going to happen to any defender, um, whether it's Van Dijk or or Sergio Ramos. Uh, Every defender's got a mistake in him and I'll write that one as that's Otamendi's one for this season. I'll forgive him that because I think you can fixate on that mistake and actually take away from how poor the defensive performance was as a whole. Zinchenko, wonderful going forward, great as an overlapping fullback, but if he's getting found out by Norwich, what's going to happen when we play Liverpool in a few weeks? And He's going to have Salah and all these players coming at him. Um, Kyle Walker, you, you think that after Kyle Walker wasn't included in the England setup, you'd, you'd think have a point that, to prove. You'd have a point to prove. You want him to see him going out there, went missing defensively for most of the game, um, and then into midfield. Rodri, I mean, as a new signing, uh, I'm a big fan of him. I want to see him sort of bedding. I don't want to put too much pressure on him. He's still one of the younger players, but you know, maybe there's some. I'm sure there's some statistic out there that correct me wrong and he got a goal towards the end of the game, but. It didn't look like a, a multi, multi-million pound signing uh, at Caro Road. And then you're looking at the rest of the team and you go, where, where were the big heads? Where were the players like Sergio Aguero and David Silva? Where, where were they? Where was that sense of leadership? Mm. And, you know, they have been terrific players for us over the years. And they are they're, they're, a, they're a legends of the game. Some of the best players Premier League's ever seen. But you want to see those players. If we are going to be champions again, you want to see those players looking like champions. When you go mm. a goal down to Norwich away from home, go and... Get back into it, just as Liverpool did at Newcastle, and that's why at the minute Liverpool look like the team that are going to lead this race. A, because they're five points clear, but B, because they seem unbeatable at the minute. Liverpool, when got, everyone knew when when Newcastle went one nil up, sorry Johnny, but everyone knew <laughs> Liverpool were going to come back because me. they looked like that sort of team, and City didn't at Norwich.
2: I think where where City went, I don't with the defence. Um, I don't know Zinchenko and Walker were. were were bad, mm-hmm. and Otamendi and and Stones were bad, like you touched on. But I don't know if there was just a mistrust between the two lot of them, whether Walker mm. and Zinchenko were so worried about what Stones and Otamendi were going to do that they are sort of were put on, you know, jitters themselves. And then Stones and Otamendi were so worried about Zinchenko and Walker's poor performances that they were then on edge. So you think and, they were more
1: worried about each other than yeah, actually what they Norwich just, could offer?
2: Yeah, I think that's possibly what happened. And I think Walker just seemed to want to be, knew he had to cover so much ground because Stones was iffy. And then I think Zinchenko probably was leaving lots of gaps open for Otamendi to, to have to try and cover himself. And I think they just, as a unit, were so poor. And I don't, you take Laporte out, and is he that sort of that much of a calming influence that him removed just puts the panic into everyone else that's left on the pitch? And mm. you, I think it would be the same at Liverpool if you took Van Dyke out, and they'd sort of just suddenly all lose their heads because there's not that calming influence over the the whole set of them. Um But I didn't didn't realize quite how much I think because our focus with Manchester City is on so many other players, sure. Um Whereas with Liverpool, it's you know, Van Dyke was the savior of Liverpool, that they had a good team already, but he was he was the one big improvement that we sort of focus on the fact that if Van Dyke isn't there, it all goes to pot for the rest of them. I don't think Laporte sort of came in with the same fanfare and common influence as expected mm. of, of Van Dyke. So I think it would affect any team to have someone of that caliber, but I sort of myself didn't realize how critical he was to the whole setup of Manchester City's defence and I think his absence against a team like Norwich showed and like you say you're worried what will happen when they have Mane and, and Salah and people like that running at them rather than as yeah. great as Pukki and, and Campwell were um, Salah and Mane and Firmino are a complete step up from that, Love so it's it's worrying worrying times for Manchester. Well, after what I, it's <laughs> feel strange saying <laughs> that defeat, after one defeat, um, but it is worrying going forward how because they can't bring any, obviously can't bring anyone else in now no. because of the transfer window they never really replace company um, well, I don't sent, know whether they, they expect Fernandinho to step in there yeah I
1: think they've got Eric Garcia from the academy who's meant to be tipped as a, as a top prospect at centre back they've also got Felipe Sandler who's on loan at elect with company at the moment in Belgium but whether there's a recall clause in that loan I have absolutely no idea so those are the sort of bare bones options not to disrespect those two players but certainly they're, they're the two other backup options that Manchester City have one's in the academy and one is out on loan at the moment recall or not we're not too sure the first Norwich goal though Alex a, a really good header from McLean we have to say it's a brilliant finish and a great header but conceding from a corner that, that's yeah, always that's I always mean... never nice to see as a fan is it?
0: No exactly and it's um, it's a frustrating one because it, it, it feels like the one part of our game under Guardiola that hasn't improved uh, probably is uh, both attacking and defending set pieces and uh, it does feel like uh, you know Pet talks about he doesn't train defending and what have you and these players are good enough and, and so on and um, I'm all here for that and who am I to question the methods of Guardiola but this happens a few times last season and it happens a few times this season against these teams that they get very excited about a set piece early on because it could be their big opportunity to score and lo and behold it happens you think can we not have a couple of sessions on that sort of thing is that not something that we can we can look into you know it's a frustrating one going back to, to what Johnny was saying before I, as it happens despite my, my rant at the top of the show and my uh, Uh, my tone of voice about it. As frustrating as this result is, and this result will be one that we look back on in February and you go, oh, well, City could be top if they weren't beaten by Norwich in September. It was definitely one of those games. The last time uh, this happened, when we lost Crystal Palace, we then went on to um, 18 unbeaten games, including 17. Well, that's City's
1: first defeat in the Premier League since January. So Norwich City, you have to give them credit. Timo Puki is... He's a finisher he's a he's a dead eye. You know when he gets a chance he's gonna get it on target at least. There was one that he just dinked wide He could have had another couple of goals in that game. Norwich were creating chances. Campwell looks a really useful player, but campwell's goal was. Very unselfish from Puki, who might have seen sort of his name up in lights when he was running through on goal. They decided to square it and then Cantwell was there to, to tap in. But again, it begs the question, where was the Manchester City defence, which will come on to the whole Otamendi mistake and playing out from the back later in the show when we talk about Arsenal, because we've seen an equal stinker from Socrates in the uh, Arsenal against Watford game earlier on Sunday. So Norwich City, to their credit, we're always going to find it difficult in the Premier League with spending just a million pounds in the summer. As, as
2: Daniel Don- Fox so keen to tell everyone. Well,
1: every post-match interview they lose, it, they lost against, I think they lost against West Ham a couple of weeks ago. Or they lost against someone and, and they were like, and he was like, oh yeah, well, we've we've spent a million and they've spent 80 million. It's like, what is he going to say that every time they lose a game in the Premier League this season? Um, but he didn't have to this time because his side produced, it was a magnificent display all round from everyone. Tim Krul played his part in goals, some really good saves. It was just a solid Norwich performance and I think they deserve to win the game.
2: They definitely deserve to win. I think it was nice to see um, at the end of the match, Guardiola going around to every single Norwich player and congratulating them. And I think to some people that might seem a bit... Um,
1: Patronising.
2: Patronising, yeah. But I think for, for for a manager like Guardiola to tell you that you've done well um, as a professional footballer, I think, especially with the ages of some of the players, very young, like Campwell um, and Jamal Lewis and people like that, to have Guardiola telling you you've done well um, is probably... Great praise to receive, and, and probably gives you a big boost going forward. That if you can do it against Manchester City, and Guardiola thinks you've done well, then you can probably do it against anybody, and mm. they'll probably take a lot of confidence in that going forward. Hopefully, um, so yeah, they did. They did really well. I thought Puky messed up when um, when he, when he uh, set up Cantwell. I thought he was he was going for goal, so and he that dragged was, it was yeah. I thought oh, that's an awful effort, and then yeah, Cantwell pops up and puts it in, and um, yeah, it just it was just really great play from Pukie. Um and and he does look really 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 good. Um his hat trick against Newcastle aside he's had a great season. Um so yeah he, he he'll he'll do well. I hope he's not one of these that has a big flush of form we saw it with years ago with Ami Zaki and and people like that that score like 10 goals in their first 6 games and then they have a stinker for the rest of the season. I think Steve Mueni from Huddersfield did that a bit a couple mm. of years ago as well and you just hope that's not the case mm. uh, with Pukki and he can carry on and sort of have a bit of a meet you season something like that and score a lot of goals. <laughs> it's and got, everyone loves it's got too,
0: Everton it. all over it I think. Yeah
2: big Jan- January 30 million pound move to Everton and he never scores another professional goal ever again. <laughs> that, that could be written in the stars for him but um, it's just nice to see to see someone come in and, and, and have that uh, positive effect on the league and Obviously, taking yeah. taking some points off City is um, is good for the neutral, I suppose, and especially yeah. for Liverpool. And I know
1: fans. everyone loves a shit house, and everyone loves one of those players that gets up everyone's nose. But Timo Pukki seems like a nice guy, doesn't he? Seems like the sort of guy you'd not mind having a beer with. He's that kind of guy. Is he, he? being invited to your your uh, new uh, pool? Uh, salmon boy, Leicester <laughs> <laughs> away, get him in the salmon.
0: Well, will have to say, get him down. Come on, Timo, get yourself in, lad. Um, uh, no, I. Uh, you like to see it, don't you? You like to see these sort of players and these stories and the fact that... I wonder the people... Is it, is it Bronby? He was at in yeah, Denmark. They yeah. must be kicking themselves, mustn't they? Because, of, like we say, he must be a £30 million player already having yeah. scored the goals that he scored. For sure. And sure. You like to see it? Um, I think what is great as well is that he's adapting. I noticed um, ottoman needs to be following him around the pitch like a sort of lost puppy. Uh, pucky, and actually he was creating space and off the ball running and actually making movement As so to be aware that he seems to be the... Um, the one to watch and it makes it easy for the players around him such as Campwell, to actually run into those spaces and and, and fight get on the end of things um, and I think that's the sign of a really really great striker mm. there are certain players that uh, are, are other sort of clubs a similar situation where they go that's the star man uh, and when that player is marked off the game the team lose and they, they you know, they can't operate whereas Norwich seem to adapt actually to the fact that pookie has got this hype around him and I think that's why um gonna do all right. The Daniel Daniel Fark yeah. seems to adapt really, really well. I thought his game management was great. Um
1: yeah Campbell running the ball into the corner at the end for someone so young to show that experience I thought was quite nice because he could easily have tried to take the shot on right in the dying stages and really put the game to bed. But then you have visions, don't you, as a manager on the sideline thinking oh don't do that because City are going to go at the other end and score and it's three yeah. three. Um but you know really good game management. If there's one group of people though who don't want Timu Puki to do well that it's Malaysian broadcasters. <laughs> because uh, Pookie in Finnish, his surname means Billy Goat. Puki in Malaysian means cunt. So does it really? It does. Yeah. Good knowledge. So there's one. There's one group of people that doesn't want Timu Puki to keep scoring. It's definitely Malaysian. Oh, so, so, Malaysian broadcasters. As if his last name is Billy Goat. In in Finnish, Pookie translates Billy to Billy Goat. Yeah. I think you they
0: had goats in Finland. After.
1: Well, they do. They've well, got Vigo. They've, they got got, <laughs> <laughs> they've got a team in Fiki. Um Just quickly before we move on from Norwich City 3, Manchester City 2. Five points adrift from Liverpool. Concerned at this stage, Alex?
0: Uh, no um, I don't think the, the Premier League season uh, the table is worth looking at until about February yep. um, at all anyway I think um, no need to worry on that front and I think if there's any team that I'd pick to be five points behind it would be the absolute world champions of bottling the league Liverpool okay. uh, <laughs> I, certain, I seem to remember them winning the league in January last year they uh, there being seven points clear then ten points clear and yet come May the trophy was in Manchester so
2: this always is always Manchester excited. City are a team that, that won the Premier League with a goal in the 95th minute of the last game of the season so being five points behind in September I don't think there's any big, nah, big no, worry well, for it's them never gonna no, it's never going to happen
1: again Johnny it's never going <laughs> to happen again so um, of course Alex uh, is a Manchester City fan five points adrift from Liverpool so far at the top of the Premier League but of course plenty of time to close that gap let's move on to a game that's played out on Sunday afternoon uh, of course on Monday it's Aston Villa versus West Ham United but let's focus on the game that did take place on Sunday evening, Watford two, Arsenal two. We saw mistakes from Otamendi in the Manchester City game, trying to play out from the back. Socrates, Papastathopoulos for Arsenal, trying to play the ball out from the back, gave the ball away and allowed a route back into the game for uh, for for Watford to draw. To basically, they drew the game level in the end. So Watford were gifted a goal by Socrates. Now Arsenal um, took the lead through Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, two nil up, two goals from him, a brace. Um, that's good for me because he's in my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> Kike sanchez Flores, the new Watford manager, the second bite of the cherry for him. He had plenty of sweat patches under his arms. Um, but that was his first Watford game for 1,218 days in which his last game was against Arsenal and the score was 2-2, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So there's a nice little uh, football quirk there for you. Um, what about playing out from the back? We'll come on to the game in a second. But because of what we saw, Socrates trying to play the ball out from the back passed the ball straight effectively to a Watford player and then Cleverly was there to slam the ball home. Now, I'm going to do the first football cliche of the show. Rose Ed. What happens to banging the ball into Rose Ed sometimes? Sometimes you see teams trying to play out from the back. It is a risk and reward strategy, Johnny. You are going to make some mistakes and inevitably, because you're so deep when you're trying to play out from the back, you are going to get punished at times.
2: Especially now as well with the new rule coming in that the defenders don't have to be outside the box. You're Essentially, yeah. they're standing on the either side of the six-yard box. Which now. is what so, happened with Socrates. Yeah, so those Watford players got into him very quickly and, and you, you're even closer to the goal than you used to be when mistakes like this happened. But I think you have to have the players that are confident on the ball and I I don't think Socrates is necessarily one of those that's that's confident to to be on the ball, and um, I think yeah, I think Luis on the other side probably looks like he's confident and probably pretends he's confident, but whether he necessarily is, but yeah, there, there were there were some bad mistakes we saw it in the City game as well, and I think John Stones is one that you pr- you pride yourself on being you know, someone that's allegedly can play it out from the back and because he can pick a pass. He's one of those that gets mooted to be more of a defensive midfielder sometimes than a a central defender. But um, no, I think think it's just panic stations. As soon as you see that person bearing down on you, you just give it to the nearest other person, which is your other central defensive partner. And then if he could make a mistake like Otamendi did as well, I think, yeah, like you say, you just need to boot it on the pitch sometimes. And it's not, it's very old-fashioned and and very... um, Young lads called Magic Mane on Twitter don't like you to say <laughs> kick the ball out as far as you can and route Ooh. one. And Oh, I did, I did route one. You route know. one, that
1: was an inadvertent. Yeah. I was typing on my laptop That's like trying Pavlov, to write down what you were saying. Pavlov's and like, dogs, accidentally you accidentally um, did the cliché bell, route one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you pressed the bell and I did the cliché. It was the opposite effect. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes you've just got to boot it clear. And, and there's been warning signs in... in in the City match, I know we're talking about the Arsenal match now, but there were some warning signs for, for City playing it out and they continue to do so. And I guess that shows confidence in the fact that they've they've mm. got the ability to play it out from the back. But as soon as you see that match player bearing down, I know Alton Mendy didn't see him, but um, bearing down on you, you've got to just boot it, I think. Um, if in doubt, put it out, as you were told, as, as an eight-year-old oh. or whatever. Um but I'm just saying this because Newcastle don't. We have Steve Bruce, so we can't play it out from the back. So um, I feel it's like just a bit of
0: jealousy. Sat down the back of the old Social Club with Big Sam and Nigel Farage, harking <laughs> back to the old days. Oh, don't you remember back in the old days where men were men and chocolate tasted sweet? And hey. you can leave your back door unlocked and your centre arms booted it as hard as they could. Playing out from and the back the is the a good thing. It.
1: Is a good thing, but sometimes you just need to lever it into roses. Alex, look, I understand in
0: moments of panic that. A, a, a defender has to have a level of decision making to know when is the right time to beat it. I will give you that, but I'm sorry. All of this that Socrates Socrates is supposedly a, a, a top six footballer. Any any Premier League footballer, including goalkeepers, should have the confidence to make a ten yard pass. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's that that is part. Of, that's the absolute basics of football. And I don't think this is an issue with. Uh, pass and move football or passing out from the back. This is an issue with crap defending and crap players. And the fact that we've worked out, I hope he's not listening, sorry Socrates. But it, it, he looked like out. he was about
1: to cry actually when he gave the ball away. Because he, he did look like he's about to he's burst getting, into you know, tears. He's getting
0: pounded by Arsenal fans all the time and a lot of journalists as well and it's not really worked out for him at Arsenal. There's been... Errors, not just giving the ball away like he did today, but also uh, not tracking players back, falling over, and that sort of stuff. There's been a, there's been a, a catalogue of errors, and I think what we've sort of found out is he probably isn't. I won't say you ever ever say a player isn't good enough to play for Arsenal because I think that's he, he probably is, but it's certainly not worked out, and maybe go back to back to Europe or whatever, or find a new club. But it, that seems to be to Ultimately, end <laughs> up with him. But you basically, saying
1: get rid, get out of Arsenal, you're not good. Boot him, him I, into Rose. I, Ed, I don't yeah. I think I, is what
0: uh, it's <laughs> an individual player making a mistake. And if you uh, the, the way the pl- club is going you haven't got the players that can do that but the
1: issue with Arsenal and we'll talk about the game now because you've basically touched upon it there Alex the issue with Arsenal is that Socrates was one of their most reliable defenders you've got Mustafi who is a mistake waiting to happen David Luiz we saw him give away a penalty today he gave away a penalty against Liverpool he's just a mistake waiting to happen Rob Holding's injured all the time I mean just Arsenal's defence is what's costing them games Arsenal's defence is what their problem is and you know when you've got your most reliable defender in Socrates now making mistakes they say you know mistakes are contagious or whatever, Johnny, but to be perfectly honest, that would be a real concern for me if I was an Arsenal fan because Aubameyang's done the dirty work at the top end of the, or done the hard work at the top end of the pitch, scored two goals, put you 2 nil in front and Arsenal draw the game 2-2 because of two stupid mistakes, giving the ball away and then David Luiz giving a penalty away.
2: I don't think being the most reliable defender at Arsenal is quite the praise that it,
1: <laughs> that it was. It's like
2: um being the being the, to the contend with Yeah, being the best football team in Scotland or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, um damning with faint praise, I think. But um backhanded
1: compliment, I think, is what yeah. you mean,
2: yeah. But um he is a good defender. I think maybe he's just the wrong side of however old he is now. I think he's about 32, 33. So he's 31. He's 31. Is he? I he looks a lot older. Jesus Christ. Um but I think, yeah, I think he's maybe on the on the slow wind down. But I think that's the same thing. that can be said for a lot of Arsenal's defenders. Well, I think when you're relying on Rob Holding to come back to full I mean, fitness, this is the thing. But like Socrates is
1: 31, David Luiz I think 32, 33 coming up too. So I mean, these are experienced players. They shouldn't be making these sort of mistakes.
2: But I think they're also experienced players um, being asked to play within new rules and possibly within new styles. I don't know how. Um, Socrates played under at Dortmund I imagine he probably passed it around a bit but it's new rules that they're being asked to to play under now and and adapt to and things like that and um maybe he's just he's just you can't teach an old dog new tricks and things like that maybe he's just stuck in his ways a bit but yeah like you say you you should be expecting players at that level to be able to pass it ten yards regardless of of how you know good they are and he's obviously i think he's got a good um I'm going to sound even more like Sam Allardyce now. He's got a good mentality about him, I think. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure he'll bounce back and and things like that. You could have
1: gone full Brendan Rodgers and said he's got a good character. Yeah, Uh, well... That would have been full-on Brendan then. Um, The game finished 2-2. We have to give credit to Watford, although Arsenal did make mistakes. Watford looked like they were the team that were going to go on and win the game. They kept pressing and pressing towards the end, kept knocking on the door. Decore should have won it at the end for Watford. Hit his chance straight at Leno. Uh, But, you know, Kike Sanchez-Flores has come in. Watford still yet to win their first Premier League game of the season. Javi Grazzi was sacked. We spoke about it on last week's show. Kike Sanchez-Flores has come in. I think there's obviously a relationship there between the board at Watford and Sanchez-Flores. Because if you look at some of the clubs, I think you mentioned before we started the show, Alex, that is it nine clubs he's had in recent years? And they've all been for sort of short spells of time, haven't they? One or two seasons. But, I mean, is, is he putting out a fire at Watford? Is that what he's been brought in to do, do you think?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think because he's got a very very cool, exotic name, I think people have sort of assumed that he's going to be some master European tactician. But uh, he's been to uh, Catafé twice. He's been to Espanol. Uh, he went to Valencia. Um, and basically, yeah, he's been out to uh, the Middle East and in, in China. And he seems to be like a sort of... Um, a sort of Spanish Big Sam uh, is, uh, that's three <laughs> references to Big Sam now that I'm going to call it for the show it's a hat it. trick um, <laughs> um, but, but yeah it, it's that sort of you, you bring him in and he studies the ship and he gets players to play um, at a level that they should be doing and then, then he moves on and I guess it, it makes sense I guess um, I think four games is incredibly harsh uh, on, on a manager before him I think it, it's um, it, it's a cruel thing to do uh, especially when you haven't got any sort of transfer window left to, to, for to a new manager to put his influence in. But you know what? If they thought it wasn't going to work, and it wasn't going to get any better. They've got a horrible run of games coming up. Um, then maybe, maybe that it was time to go early. And they've got a point yeah. today. And it, dare I say, I hate to put the. Th- words in any Watford sports mouth but this morning if he'd offered them a point against Arsenal I think they would have taken a vast it. majority would have taken a point uh, and, and they've got one and they looked good and that you know there was the Takura chance right at the very end but beyond that it was all in the Arsenal half and, mm. uh, and they were chasing the three points and not Arsenal and that's really, really encouraging to see.
1: Mm. It's interesting we were talking about playing out from the back and the way football's moved on if you look at Kike Sanchez Flores' managerial history like you say Hatafe between 04 and 05 for one season then two years at Valencia then a year at Benfica following that and then two years at, at, at atletico madrid after that before spells in the middle east and then coming back to watford in 2015 for the first spell now he's back as i said 1218 days after his last game in charge of watford um he obviously didn't learn how to use antiperspirant in that time because his sweat patches (laughs) under his arms were absolutely ridiculous um can watford fans feel confident you think johnny now the way they played the last 10 20 minutes against arsenal they're in the ascendancy they found a way back into the game it was at home do you think that that can give the the fans a boost to think, you know, this is this is what we've needed. We needed something to kind of kick us back into gear again.
2: You'd hope so, but they also were, you know, two goals down that, that sparked that things. So they can't start every game two goals down in the hope that it sparks that, mm. you know, come back every single time. They've um, they've got a, you know, start off their own back. They um they've definitely got the players and they've got the the management um Board, at board level that's willing to put the money in, you know, come January if they're struggling, um, throw some throw a bit more money about. They've got um Troy Dean he's not played so far this season, I don't he's think he injured he's been, yeah. yeah. So they've got him to come back when he's not um on Sky Sports News or uh, on Saturday <laughs> afternoons. Um so I think they've got they've got players to come back in and I think, you know, um Sanchez Flores has got a choice to make. He's coming in with fresh eyes. I don't think there's that many players left from the first time he's there. Dini's obviously still there. And um, Holabas, who he allegedly fell out with last time, is still there, but he picked him today. So I think he's got time to, to make his own choices, make his own decisions. Players that he might not necessarily have wanted himself, but uh, the squad that's there and he'll have time to, to pick who he wants and hopefully put his own stamp on them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, once, once he's got his feet under the door for the second time... Uh, Feet under the door, uh, feet under <laughs> bit, the table, feet under the table. Um, he'll uh, he'll hopefully for their sake, um, do well. Not for any other relegation candidates' sakes, so obviously they want there to drop as many points as possible. Um, but yeah, they, they should. I think you at the start of the season they're not one one of the ones you'd have picked out to be struggling. Yeah. Um, based on how well they've done the last couple of years. Um, so it is a bit of a shock that they're down there. Uh, they've had to make this managerial change already. Um, and so yeah, hopefully. For their sakes, they'll they'll do well and they'll pick back up.
1: Yeah, I think you might have hit the nail on the head there, Alex, when you said get rid of Grazia early. It might seem harsh, but you know they've they've just played Arsenal and they've got a tough run coming up, so maybe it's just get that momentum back or get that good feeling back before it gets too late under Grazia. I suppose that was kind of the thinking.
0: Yeah, I mean it. It it definitely is nuts. It's to to give anyone you know four weeks to do anything in any job. Really, it it seems to be uh, hasty. But they were. They weren't great towards the end of last season. They got to a cup final last year. They got to a cup final last year, which is up, but in the league, uh, they weren't particularly great. And then they they're coming into the new season. There's no impetus. But then you know, there's not like they've got a new signing in, and they're missing a few players. And you yeah. think, you know, Grazia's got his got his team together. Would they would they have fought for him for the rest of the season? Who knows? But Flores is in. They looked a lot better today. We'll see if the board made the right decision over the next few weeks.
1: Okay, Watford 2, Arsenal 2 at Vicarage Road. That was a game on Sunday evening. Let's move back to the games on Saturday now. And quickly, before we go to a break, let's have a look at Brighton 1, Burnley 1. Neil Morpay getting a goal for Brighton. He also got a boot to the face, which we'll be featuring in our amazing game. Very good, very bad. What a brilliant punny name for a game that is. I don't know who came up with that. (laughs) It wasn't me, don't worry. Um, A brilliant equaliser for Burnley from Jeff Hendrick. Really good strike. Just drilled it low into the corner, sort of on the half volley. It was was almost on the half volley. I'm not really sure if it was, but it kind of had that trajectory where it was just sort of fizzed into the bottom corner. Um, He's had a bit of stick recently, Jeff Hendrick, because in the Euros in 2016 for Ireland, he was magnificent. And he had a bit of stick saying he's never really been able to replicate that form for his country again. Sometimes players just need a moment like that, don't they? Like that moment of just... Scoring a wonder goal to kick kick start themselves again, don't they? They need something to kind of boost them again, give them a bit of a jump.
2: Probably. Yeah, I've never, never, never experienced that slump in my professional life. So I <laughs> um, never really need to kick start anything. Um, yeah, I suppose it's it's completely different when you're obviously, you know, three years down the line now um, from Euro 2016. I guess it's different to be playing an international um, match for your for your country at a tournament you don't know if they'll ever be back there again mm. you'd, you'd hope so but you know that you might have uh, really wanted to grasp his opportunity to play at an international level um, so yeah it is difficult but it was a great goal uh, there was loads of great goals this weekend yeah. um, that probably wouldn't even make the, the top five um, sort of
1: hooked it from behind him didn't he into the corner good finish from Morpe
2: yeah um, and he yeah he played really well he's, he's been surprising um, he did well for for Brentford Um, in the Championship last year. uh, uh, So he was a good signing. I I think at Brighton, they they needed a different option um, than Glenn Murray all the time. Um, He's not getting any younger... um, so yeah mopaes um a great how, option
0: how old is glen murray glen murray has been 32
1: evergreen. for last 5 years evergreen glen murray <laughs> <laughs> but
2: he um i think pascal Gross played really well in that game mm. as well um and he was their first season in the premier league he was magnificent um and he sort of dri- dropped off uh last year i think he was linked with liverpool um mm. quite a lot and maybe he got a bit distracted or believed his own hype or something but he's um he's still at brighton and i think he played really well he's a rot- very, very good player. Um, uh, probably one uh, on, on paper, which isn't where football's played. He's probably their best uh, player, you know, in terms of his, his natural talent and things like that. Um, yeah. So he he should uh, should spark them into life a bit. And um, if they get Glenn Murray back, um, if he can, you know, spark up a partnership with Neil Mapai. Um they they should they're one of the teams I know we said Watford aren't one of the teams you expected to be struggling but I think Brighton were one of the ones that you would expect to struggle yeah. and, and Graham Potter's got them playing really well and they picked up some decent results at the start of the season give them a lot of confidence going forward mm. um, frustratingly um, so yeah I think think they they'll be they'll be Fine, you think um, Brighton, especially they've adapted really well to the way Potter wants them to play. Um, he's not a, not scared to to make some big decisions around who should be on the pitch, what mm. sort of formation they'll be playing. Sort of ripped up, however, Hughton was playing before, um, and sort of really restarted them, and they've really taken to it already. Yeah,
1: oh, come on then, Alex. Big reveal: Glenn Murray's age. Uh, Glenn Murray is thirty-five. Oh, I was uh, going to go with
0: thirty-four. Thirty-five. But my memory of him being um. My remember being 32 three years ago will be correct because he was 32 three years. Ago, so that's <laughs> just me not knowing how old Glamour is, but he looks alright. 35. I think when he plays, looks dangerous. keep did, it going.
1: Did miss a few chances at the weekend, but the game finished 1-1 in the end. Brighton one, Burnley one. Time for a quick break now. But afterwards, we're going to be talking about Wolves two, Chelsea five. Seven goals at Molineux. Three for Tammy Abraham, one for Fikayo Tomori, one for Mason Mount. All three academy graduates for Chelsea getting on the score sheet. Wolves did get two goals, including youngster Patrick Cotrone who they signed in the summer, getting on. The score sheet, but concern for Nuno Espirito Santo. They haven't won a game in the Premier League as yet. This is Football Social Daily.
0: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League preview.
1: Welcome back to Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. And if you've got an Amazon Alexa smart speaker, go and find our sports social skill. It's absolutely ace. All you need to do is ask Alexa to open sports social. And if you support any of the 20 Premier League teams, just tell Alexa what team you support and you can get daily news updates on your team. So every single day, you'll get a brand new news bulletin straight to your Alexa. We can also give you Premier League match reports and match previews as well. Before the game happens, you can find out who's injured and who's not playing for the game, as well as score updates too. So there's loads of stuff going on there. So all you need to do is ask Alexa to open Sports Social to get involved with that. But for now, we're going to talk about the rest of the games that took place in the Premier League over the weekend. My name's Niall. Alongside me in the studio, we've got Johnny and we've got Alex. I want to talk about Bournemouth against Everton. Everton lost 3-1 away from home. They cannot buy a win on the road. That's six away games now without a win in the Premier League. Marco Silva, he's got Goodison, a fortress. They just can't win on their travels. How does he fix it?
2: I don't know. <laughs> if, I, if I knew, I'd be in a better paid job than I am now. Um, I don't think he's. I, last time I was on here, um, I expressed my belief that, to to, to steal a phrase from Magic on uh, and, and Super Salah on Twitter, uh, Marco Silva's a bit of a fraud. Um, I don't think he's as, as good as as um, Everton. Obviously, thought he was. They fought two for nil to try and get him off Watford. Um, I just don't 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 think he's that great of a great of a manager. Great of a tactician. He's obviously got an eye for a good player. I a lot of people br-
1: say he's... He's Every time people talk about the sack race and who's next for the chop, he's always in the top five managers, Marco Silva. There's always someone taking money on him being the next manager to get the sack, which but is I think is one of those...
2: I think the reason... I, I don't know the reason that they obviously have to pay a large severance fee, but I don't know if there's any managers at the level that Everton want to be at that are available and would be willing to go to Everton. They've got a great squad there that obviously Marco Silva himself has assembled, um, but I think another manager would... Obviously, I don't know who because I've just said that I don't know who go there, but another manager might be able to get more out of those players than he can. Um, but, yeah, they were, they were quite poor today. Bournemouth were... Uh, we're very good. Yeah, um,
1: Clinical finish their chances. Yeah, it's good to
2: see Callum Wilson. I think he hadn't scored at home since January. Um, mm, that's so, correct, yeah. yeah. it's good to see him get back on the score sheet again. Um,
1: Didn't play a minute for England under Southgate in the last two qualifiers, even though he was in the squad. So, sort of a timely reminder to, to yeah, the but England a, gaffer there.
2: A bit of a bad, you know, he scored two, but there's another good English striker that got a hat-trick um, and <laughs> yeah. an own goal. So <laughs> For sure. Um yeah I think think Callum Wilson scoring is is good for England especially with qualifiers coming up again next month. Um so yeah I think they 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 played really well Bournemouth. Um Everton are just a, a bit of a mixed bag they're doing Everton have this basically groundhog day of a Premier League yep. that they they spend hundred million pounds yeah. on a load of different players, finish eighth. Spend hundred million pounds on a load of different players, finish eighth. It's
1: like the Truman show, but for Premier League clubs. Just the same thing over and over yeah. again. Eighth. Watford always finishing eighth. And actually, in terms of the defensive laps for the third goal, that was absolutely shocking. I won't we won't go into that too much now, but Alex, if I read you some tweets for some from some Everton fans here Uh, Tony Scott who's the uh, digital Everton reporter for the Liverpool Echo says disgusting performance that nobody knows what the answer is but the away record is absolutely shocking and has been for many years with different personnel and managers How can a team be so good at home to be so bad away from it? Steve on Twitter, who's also an Everton fan, says Silver's had a mare here. Make no bones about it. He's making the same old mistakes and a negative team selection away from home is his downfall. Club's failure to sign a centre-back coming home to roost. Silver's resistance to make subs prior to an hour in is frustrating as hell. And Andy Bush, uh, who's a, a DJ, he says, quick match report for you dog shit. So um Andy's not beating around the bush no pun intended with his surname there but certainly Everton fans not happy with that display at Bournemouth.
0: Yeah, I mean they've also they got right to me, I think because um I, I think Johnny summed it up beautifully there that, that it is Groundhog day, you know, they spend all this money, they go with all the expectation and I, the, the, you know, Goodison Park has got this amazing atmosphere. Of, of thousands and thousands of people who all come together once a fortnight to be disappointed together. And, you know, they have improved their home form and they, they look a little bit more defensive at home than they have been in previous years and they're starting to get those gaps. But when they go away, what is it about getting on a bus? It's almost... When Manchester City signed Rubinho, he was clearly a world-class player at home, but you put him on a bus for 45 minutes or more which and he is, couldn't produce anywhere. Which
1: is odd because uh, in his native Brazil, one of the biggest countries on earth, you know, you'd think that he'd be fine travelling away from home. Absolutely. And yet
0: uh, Marco Silva is that sort of mentality in a manager. Um He's been at Everton, uh, you know, for a little while now. He's had the time to settle in and, and build your philosophy and they've gone out and bought in some of his own players. You know, they spent, was it 50 million on Richarlison, who... Actually, a, a big fan of Richard. He's a young player. He, he gets goals. He looks plays with experience. So there's, there's been some wins and there's been some losses um, in both the uh, literal and uh, metaphorical sense. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it just seems that I, I don't know what Everton needs to do. It seems like that they're just attached to that eighth place. And there's six teams in the league that are much better than them. And it might even be require more than a hundred million pounds to go in that. Uh, what do they need? They need do they need, do they need uh, a striker? Well, no, because they've got you know players that can score goals there. Do they need um, a big senior centre half? Maybe, but then where from? Who do they, maybe a midfield general? Maybe a big character. Who knows? It feels just like they're the, hot
1: the... property at the moment. Defenders, aren't they? You know, see how much Manchester United played for Harry Maguire, for example, in the summer
0: yeah 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 and it, you know it, and that's what's that 80 eight, you know eighty, 80 ninety million, million depending yeah. on which paper you read and it, it seems that Everton they've got a great squad and there's a, there's, a, there's a list a player in every position who you could make a case for being a top six player but there's no leader there's no sort of star man that you're going to go for example we were talking about Norwich and Tammy Pokey being a player that you sort of he's got that vibe that he's going to be really important for Norwich this year. Mm. Manchester City really missed Kevin De Bruyne having that sort of talismanic player that's going to run the show. Mm. Uh, you know, at United when he wants yeah. to they've got Pogba. That's what sort of put takes you to that X level, having that sort of figure. Was and Delph not d- meant
1: to be that man though, for Everton <laughs> you think? Because he scored he scored it wasn't an own goal. Ryan Fraser scored for Bournemouth. It was a good low-free kick. Delph went at the ball with his wrong foot. He's a right-footed player, went at it with his left sort of wrong-footed Pickford who didn't really have any time to react to try and save the free kick and sort of sliced it into his own goal, really. So Fabian Delph, who's been part of an experienced side and one of the more experienced players in a champion's uh, a, a Premier League oh. winning Manchester City team, treble winning Manchester City team, you think he maybe might be able to take oh, that mantle? Well,
0: no, because I, I love Fabian Delph and I'm, I'm here to uh, sing his praises all the time. You know, he, He's one of my absolute favourite players at City. He will no doubt bring experience, he'll bring a winning mentality, having won the Premier League and that sort of attitude.
1: But not a leader by the sounds of what you're about But,
0: to but say. I, I don't think Fabian Delph is the sort of player that is going to sort of g- drag Everton to... Some matches and because they've just got they've had Gareth Barry there in the past, and Gareth Barry would definitely be that sort of mentality. But I think he, Gareth Barry was 33 when he went to Everton, he wasn't going to be a player that's star man for you week in, week out. And they think it's been missing that, despite the fact they've got a great squad. You know, Jordan Pickford is a great character, and if he keeps improving and getting better as a player, could well become that sort of figure in three or four years' time. Um, but beyond that, you know.
2: I think they've got they've got Sigurdsson. I think they look to to d- dig them out of it, but he's not going well, to. He's n- not really want to get stuck in in the same way. What inside. about
1: Moise King? They've just signed him. Is it, was he not meant to be this talismanic? I think uh, it's he's a lot of pressure still, for fact, a young kid, but was he not meant to be this sort of superstar that they signed? I
2: think he's going to be obviously a great player um, and a bit of a star for them, um, and it was a great coup for them to get him in the in the um, in the window. But I don't know if he's quite the one that you want to look to yet. He's only yeah. 19 years old. You don't want to relax pile all your hopes onto him when you've got a lot more senior people around him that really aren't you know necessarily pulling their weight Mm -hmm. um, and supporting him in the way that they need to Um, I just don't know like we touched on that they need you know spend millions on central defenders but Michael Keane didn't come cheap and Yeri Mina didn't come cheap and they have spent Relative to their the size of Everton and their ambition, they have spent quite a lot of money on centre backs, and I know they wanted Kurt really wanted to bring yeah. Kurt. Zuma do you think back. they were
1: banking on Zuma coming back?
2: I think so. We yeah, um, can't bank on that when you know Chelsea are under a transfer embargo. Yeah. You can't rely on them selling. I, I don't imagine that they expected... If David Luiz hadn't been sold, I imagine Kurt Zima would have been back yeah. out again.
1: Well, I'm a big fan of Marcel Brands, who's a sporting director at Everton. I think he's pulling a lot of strings. Maybe that was just his one lapse of the summer, not bringing in a, a recognised centre-back. Let's quickly talk about Bournemouth, though. Um, good win for Eddie Howe, considering, the, like you say, Norwich's injury list was the length of your arm. Bournemouth's equally so. Um, a return to the side for Lewis Cook. He's back from injury after ligament problem. He got a stand ovation when he was subbed off late in the game. So good to see... Eddie Howe getting Callum Wilson back firing again, as you mentioned. It's just a a good positive result for Bournemouth, who probably might have been slightly fretful considering their injuries going into the game.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's a must three points, um, despite the fact that. Uh, Everton haven't haven't got a result on the road for a little while. Um, they're still a, they're still a good side of Premier League team, and I think it, it, you, um, Bournemouth, I think it can aim a little bit higher than just staying in the league. But it's those sorts of games where you you prove your Premier League quality, putting aside a side like Everton that have got weaknesses uh, and making exploiting them, making the most of it, getting three points, and Bournemouth look good. They look like a good team. They're ticking on nicely. Callum Wilson getting back in form will be a massive addition because he's a, he's a, he is that sort of talismanic player. Um, Ryan Fraser as well getting back in the goals and looks like he's coming back to the form that got him linked with top sides last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bourbon look really exciting and I th- with Wolves having European football, uh, with Watford being down the bottom end of the league, there's two or three teams that you might have expected to finish above Bournemouth in the league mm. um, that they can kind of nip in front of. Um, we might be talking about Bournemouth as a side that could sneak into Europe later this year.
1: OK, interesting. Well, one side that are in Europe is Wolverhampton Wanderers. They lost 2-5. Not often you say that back to front. 2-5 Wolves lost at Molyneux Moline- uh, to Chelsea. Tammy Abraham got a hat-trick for Kaya Tomori, another academy player who was on loan with Frank Lampard at Derby County last season, scored a brilliant goal to open the scoring for Chelsea. The game finished 5-2, goals everywhere. Wolverhampton Wanderers, concern for them. We'll talk about Abraham in a sec, but for Wolves can they do Europa League and Premier League simultaneously can anyone the only teams that seem to be able to do it are those top six clubs the top six
2: clubs can do it because they've got the you know the breadth of of squad that you need to, to, to be able to manage both it's like uh, Olivier Giroud played a load in the Europa League but didn't really touch on the, the Premier League last season. Edin Hazard um, only played once or twice in the Europa League for Chelsea. So it just shows that the strength and depth that Chelsea had um, and made them uh, be able to juggle the two competitions. Similarly with Arsenal, they you know, started a lot of their young players and as the competition gradually uh, progressed... And they made their way towards the final and realised it was their only route to Champions League. Football started bringing the bigger bigger guns back. Um, so, yeah, for a, for a team like Wolves that, that don't have the biggest squad, um, it's going to be difficult to manage both of them. Um, they didn't really make a lot of big signings over the summer. They signed Patrick Crotone and they signed um, mm. a lad on loan from Real Madrid, um, central defender, I think. So, um, yeah, they didn't really, you know, add much to their squad that wasn't already there last season. So... Yeah, they're going to they're gonna struggle if they want to you know, make great inroads in both competitions.
1: I think Chelsea should be pleased with the fact that their youth players got on the score sheet because there's been a lot of stick about their youth policy yep. over the years. And, you know, Tammy Abraham has had several spells on loan, Swansea, Bristol City, etc. Um, obviously, last year, at Aston Villa now he's showing he can score goals in the premier league a hat trick for him i mean the more confidence he can get the better it's going oh, to be mate, for absolutely. chelsea he's
0: a really exciting young player to watch as well and um it's great to see what he can do because there's so many of these kids that uh, chelsea've had on loan out over the years and they've been to you know the third division then the second division and then you know, Germany or Holland or or Switzerland or wherever they end up and then you think, oh, well, he looks got a good record there. Wouldn't it be nice to see him play for a top four side and then it just never comes off and actually we're seeing Tammy Abraham prove that he can do it and hopefully this is a bit of a a message to the powers that be at Chelsea that all these amazing young talents that they have Mm. that, that Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham especially have really, really shone. I think Tamori, had uh, a wobbly performance defensively um, once or twice during the season, but a goal for him will give him loads of confidence. And and scoring five goals on the road, the atmosphere at Chelsea must be uh, buzzing this weekend, uh, and it will give them confidence in a massive boost for Frank Lampard because there's a little little bit of a question mark over him uh, with Chelsea struggling to pick up results early on. Um, And and hopefully that that, that will will show this season that actually they can develop these young players, Chelsea, and that these players that they've got out on loan don't have to be farmed out. Maybe over the coming years when the transfer ban is lifted, they will continue to look at the academy because as an England fan, um, Mason Mount and Abraham, by the end of this season, going into the Euros next year, could well be in the mix uh, for the England squad. And it's really exciting to see that these Adding to this generation, this wealth of talent that English football's got at the minute,
1: and they're only going to get better with game time as well. So that game finished at Molyneux Wolves two, Chelsea five. Let's talk about just quickly because I thought the game was a little bit dull, to be honest with you. Manchester United won less than nil. Um, they've got a tough run coming up. Manchester United, uh, the goal scored uh, from the penalty spot by Marcus Rashford after uh, Soyunshu I think his name is, uh, gave the ball away, uh, gave the penalty away, and it was buried by Rashford. How important is that at three points for Manchester United, Johnny? Because they've got a, a tough run coming up and especially winning against the Leicester side who could well be up there with them in the mix this season for those European spots.
2: Yeah, they played well, it wasn't like you say, it wasn't the most interesting game. It says a lot about a Manchester United Leicester game, two teams that are meant to be exciting, that it was about the fifth or sixth game or match of the day. Yeah. Which shows you about the quality of that game. But yeah, Manchester United take a lot of confidence from that. They've, you know, kept a clean sheet, which is important as well, not just Rashford getting the goal. Um, so that'll give Maguire some confidence give Lindelof you know Wambasaka, mm. uh Luke Young not Luke Young Jesus. <laughs> how many years have I gone back there Ashley Young some confidence at left back as well I suppose um, so yeah they, they should take a lot, a, a lot from it um, Leicester I think Madison had some good chances. Um there's a there's a article on the BBC saying did he prove his worth? But I don't really think one game against Manchester United will prove what a good player he is. I think the performances he's put in before then, um it was a surprise that he didn't get on the pitch for England at any point, um uh, the last international break. So um yeah, I think think Man United will take a lot of confidence from it and uh do well in the next couple of games. Um some tough ones there, but um they should be all right. Um, they don't think they'll
1: get relegated <laughs> well that's good news for all Manchester United supporters listening not good news for Alex who would desperately love to see Manchester United go down oh well, uh, yeah
0: oh mate it'd be great fun um, I, yeah, it must, yeah it's a uh, big three points for United I think um, from what I saw of the game I think Leicester had their fair share of chances and I don't think uh, three points was necessarily deserved um, Towards towards end of the game Leicester had a little bit of a go um, but three points three points and, it, and it's a 1-0 and Ollie's at the whirling United can enjoy that. Their, their run of form um, hasn't been terrific. They've got some tough games coming up. They've got to go. Uh, their Europa, Europa League campaign starts. I think they play uh, Liverpool um, in a couple of weeks. And then they've got to go to sort of like Serbia and places like that. And I think uh, Astana uh, as well. So it's time, well, that, it, time for them to get into the flow and get into the rhythm and look like the Manchester United uh, that we all know and hate, that <laughs> win games and uh, actually have got the grit to to hold on to a 1-0 when you're not mm. playing particularly well because it means that you're pushing yourself up the table whereas in the last couple of seasons United haven't done that and games like the 1-0 up against Leicester, you do look at United and go Leicester could get back in this which yeah. actually they're, they're looking a bit better at that now.
2: The oh. Europa League Sorry, it might be good for, for United as well. We said earlier that like last season um, Arsenal played their young players and as the competition progressed they started bringing more of the experienced players in. For someone like Chong and Greenwood and people like that, that United have these mm. high hopes for, the Europa League is a good competition to blood them in um, and give them a chance.
1: But against FK Astana, which is in Kazakhstan, I believe, 4,000 odd miles away, minus 12 temperatures expected when Manchester United go and play them around that mark anyway. It was a... People will still be having to go at Paul Pogba for wearing gloves, obviously. <laughs> but to be honest, that's baptism of fire welcome to professional football yeah, what, you're playing it, what, at Manchester United you're going to have to if you want a game you're going to have to turn out in thing. minus 10 in Kazakhstan on a Thursday and do it again on the Sunday that's the way that's the way professional football years works
2: years ago in they they, they was it or Galatasaray that they played where they were welcomed at the stadium by all the Turkish fans in like 1993 or 2 with banners and everything and that Man United team did reasonably well going forward i suppose a couple of titles here and there in a champions league so maybe it is what um some you 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 know throw them in and see what they can do in these you know hostile Mm. conditions um and and hopefully they'll play well
1: i do like galatasaray's nickname for their home stadium nickname is hell (laughs) it's just literally like you're going to hell this weekend mate yep see you there season ticket it's a bit more
2: (laughs) a bit more you know scary than, than Celtic calling Celtic paradise I suppose
1: <laughs> uh, Manchester United won Leicester 0 at Old Trafford 3 points for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who we were speaking earlier about Marco Silva often being one touted to be the next manager to get the chop sometimes perhaps unfairly Ole Gunnar Solskjaer certainly towards the top of that list with Manchester United maybe not doing as well as many would have expected but a good 3 points for the Norwegian there Sheffield United nil, Southampton won there was controversy in this game which we'll discuss a little bit later on a VAR goal or a var decision ruling out Ollie mcburney's opening goal for Sheffield United it ended up one nil to Southampton Musa Janipo with a brilliant individual goal to win that game for the Saints. Um, but are these, are, the so- are these the sort of games, Alex, that Sheffield United need to win to stay in the Premier League? Games against Southampton at home, you'd think that they're the ones that they need to be targeting to try and get a result. Yeah,
0: definitely. This should be one of those games where both sides will have looked at it. Um, but, but, you know, when, when the focus comes out, both sides will look at this one and go, we can get three points there, which um, is disappointing it was only a 1-0 because sometimes these games can be absolute classics where both teams that normally... Um, might be a little bit more conservative, really go for it. Um, Sheffield United uh, have been a, a really good fun to watch so far this season. They, they, they're they always capable to surprise. Um, they work really hard. They do so much running. And, and Chris Wilder is... Um, I'm enjoying his press conferences. It's great. He feels like someone you meet in the back room of a, a pub and he's been pushed in front of a, a TV camera. And um, I'm enjoying Sheffield's out being in the Premier League. But that early start and getting results uh, and surprising teams, you, you can only run yourself into the ground every week for so long. And Southampton put on a professional job and, and got three points if United. And it's one of those where Southampton are probably in the bottom six, eight sides of the Premier League. If you are going to stay in, get your 40 points, you need 10 wins and 10 draws. And at home, I, I, I don't see... Ten worse sides than Southampton. You're going to play, so you, you need. This going to have to one of the games that you have to win it, and Sheffield United haven't done that. Um,
1: I think they'll, I, so many games, these games that they can't I lose. think they'll see it as an opportunity, Miss Johnny, not being Southampton at home.
2: Yeah, like you say, they're one of the one of the teams that they would would probably have, have marked down as, as someone one they could uh, win. I think Chris Wilder was very honest in his post match interview and said that they just weren't good enough. There was a lot of a lot of the decisions that didn't go their way were the correct decisions, so he couldn't really argue too much. He said that the the blame lies with with them, not with the officials. So um, I think he's honest um, enough to to admit when they when they've been poor. Um, and yeah, that look uh, they would have they would have hoped to have won this match, um, and maybe it's one of the ones that they'll regret winning. Uh, sorry, one of the ones that they'll regret. Not <laughs> one of the ones they'll regret. Oh, I not wish winning. we never won that game. <laughs> yeah. One of the ones that they'll regret not winning. Uh, come the end of the season, um, because uh, like I said, I think I think we've we've said it enough times on here. Sheffield uh, United might not have, uh, you know, with the signings they've made and, and the the players they've got, might have just looked at possibly not 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 you know pulling up too many trees this season, going back mm-hmm. down again, and then you know giving it another shot. Uh, next season um, so they would be disappointed in not winning this match but um, yeah I think think they would have wanted to
1: OK let's move on, on now to, to our final game of the weekend <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tottenham Hotspur 4 Crystal Palace nil. Jungmin min Son the star of the show Jungmin min Son with his first Premier League goals since the 3rd of April when he scored in a 2-0 Tottenham win over Crystal Palace at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium so there we go. That's Youngmin Son back in form, hopefully, because I saw a tweet saying Jungmin Son consistently world-class. And a lot of people tweeted back saying, well, hang on, he hasn't scored a Premier League goal since April. But then people use the example of Eden Hazard, world-class player, labelled world-class, didn't score in the Premier League for a year. So, I mean, players do go through purple patches. Equally, they go through barren spells. And I think the thing is with Spurs, with their attacking players, players like Harry Kane, sometimes the... The limelight can be shared a little bit, which is probably good for, for a player like Son. I'm a really big fan of his. Um, what do you think he offers to Tottenham? Because he he's just a workhorse, isn't he? He's just constantly running, always looking, never giving up. And he's, he's quite strong as well. And I think sometimes his attributes go uh, are a little bit understated.
2: I think he does go a bit, not not necessarily goes unnoticed because we're talking about him right now, but I think he is a bit in, in Harry Kane's shadow and I think, obviously, Harry Kane came through the academy, he's you know, scored over 100 he's Premier gonna League goals. He's always going to be the darling, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, and I think it's difficult to sort of break through that and maybe that's what Son likes, that he's not necessarily the focal point of the team and he can get on with it and maybe his work goes a bit unnoticed, but he is absolutely a fantastic player. Like I think every single team, in, the, with the exception possibly of of Liverpool and maybe Man City would love to have Young Min Son in their team everyone would love him in their squad I think City would find a place for him Liverpool would find a place for him Um he brings so much to, to Tottenham's game he makes runs off the ball makes space for everyone else he's got exceptional finishing can score all types of different goals he is just an um, absolutely fantastic player and I think I think world class gets thrown about a lot but I think he he's definitely you know up there you know we with, with, with definitely the best in the Premier League in terms of attacking talent and, and probably
0: one of the best in Europe.
1: Alex, for you, do you think Sons... Oh, mate, what a player. I mean, he
0: offers so much uh, to a team. And I think you're right. I think, I always think a definition of world-class is that they, they would get into every team in the world. Yes. And I, I actually think...
1: I, I always would. go with, uh, if there was a World eleven, would they get in the starting eleven? A and would they get in the squad as the sort of second caveat. If they get in the squad, you consider him world-class. 25 I, I, world-class players. Would he get in? I sort of think he, he would, on the sense
0: that... Um, he he's such a versatile player you can play him out on the wing you can play him through the middle you can play him uh, at number 9 and he filled in for Kane last season uh, when Kane I think was injured and mm. um, did a magnificent job and felt like scoring every week and looked really really dangerous he was magnificent in that uh, the 4-3 that City played with Tottenham yeah. uh, in the Champions League he was one of the best players in the pitch that night scored
1: in both legs didn't he scored that? in both
0: yeah. legs um, he's also I think you're right he's, he can be this like sort of terrier type player and he can chase defenders down mm. and he's, he's actually a little bit more top heavy than you might expect, um, almost kind of Vardy-esque or, or Carlos Tevez-esque. He, he got that in his locker as well if needed to, and he can play that way. And I think for that reason, he, I, Manchester City would love to have a player like Young and I think uh, you know Barcelona, Madrid would love to have a player like that. He might not start every week. He might not be getting in ahead of, of, of Aguero at number nine, of course not. But to, for Spurs to have a player like that and it lets Kane have the occasional off day. Someone you can just go, look, well, Kane hasn't performed today, but we've got this amazing talent. And actually, Christian Eriksen, he's, he's in and out of the Spurs team at the minute, and is, uh, we don't know if, he, if he's gonna, he wants to stay at Spurs or if he wants to leave or whatever. Uh, it just gives you that option. And it he looks like an elite footballer, um, and he's winning them points today, yeah. and he's doing that, and he's dominating teams and on I, Saturday.
1: I also think that saying that Heung-Min Son, because he hasn't scored since April, isn't up there in one of the best attackers in the Premier League is a very shallow statement to make. Because if you look... I mean, 3rd of April he scored against Crystal Palace um, and then he scored in the Champions League against Manchester City, as Alex outlined there, and he scored again a couple of weeks or a week later in the next leg. Um, April is practically the end of the season. He's played for South Korea throughout the course of the summer. I think he went to the the Asia Cup, I think it was, wasn't it, as well? Um, And then the season now is only, what, four or five games old and he scored a goal. So I think sometimes people, they look at, a time frame or, or you know, from, from April to now sounds like ages ago. But actually, in terms of the Premier League fixtures, there's been a couple at the end of last season, a couple at the start of this season. Okay, Maybe he's not scored in, what, six, seven games, something like that, which sounds like a goal drought. But to be fair, although it's a long time, he, he's not their forefront goal scorer.
2: He's saying there's been hyperbole on football Twitter. Surely, no. surely not. Surely people aren't just pulling surely random not. statistics out the back. OK, well, is
1: it hyperbole for me then to, to use that word? Is it hyperbole for me to say Crystal Palace were whacked 4-0 by Spurs and the paper that was over the cracks, which saw them in fourth position in the Premier League heading into this weekend, has now been forcibly removed because it looked like a lot of the danger was coming down Sp- uh, was coming down Crystal Palace's right-hand side. No Wan-Bissaka, obviously. Haven't had time to get a replacement or didn't choose to get a replacement for whatever reason, Crystal Palace. I'm sure the club and the fans will have their own ideas and reasons behind that. But Roy Hodgson, I said, was doing a really good job. He was up for manager of the month award for August. So are those cracks now being revealed at Crystal Palace? We thought they might struggle this season. They've started the season really well, beat Manchester United, fourth in the Premier League, as I said. Have Tottenham now shown them to be the side that they might well turn out to be this season? Or is that a little bit harsh from me?
2: Um, I think they've been, uh, they were poor. I think you've got to wonder where, I know Ayu got a couple of goals this season, but I don't think you can rely on him to get enough. You can't rely on getting a penalty every week for Milivojevic to score. Uh, Benteke's not scored in, I know we've said Son didn't score for a long time, but Benteke's not scored since, I don't know, um, very, very long time. So I just don't understand. If Zahar's not on it, and Zahar was playing quite wide um, at the weekend and not moving very centrally i just don't know where they're going where they're going to get the goals from to win the matches and mm. um i think they they i think they'll have enough um come the end of the season to still be a premier league side but especially you know they've got money in the bank from the Wan-Bissaka sale to spend in january possibly on a, on another striker if they need one um so i think i think they'll be safe it was sako's mamadou sako's first start in Seven months or something, mm. um, and I saw on Twitter it might be another seven months before he gets another start. <laughs> that was how bad he was. So, um, but he—he's one of their. You know, they spent twenty odd million pounds to bring him in from Liverpool. Um, so I don't, I don't, um, I don't think they'll—they'll—they'll they'll, they'll struggle too much come the end of the season. I think Hodgson. Um, is a decent enough manager and i also don't think crystal palace is scared to to pull the trigger necessarily when right. when they need to make a change at the top um they did it with you know de Boer after like three matches a few a couple of years ago mm. so i think they um, as nice as roy hodgson is if it's not working out and i think he's he's you know knowledgeable enough to realize that he might have run his course at some point and, and you know want to step down as well so i think they'll be fine um and I think they've got enough money in the bank to, to sort of yeah. save themselves.
1: Roy Hodgson said at a Crystal Palace event earlier this week, Alex, that he can't imagine life with Crystal Palace not in the Premier League. Can you imagine life with Crystal Palace not in the Premier League? Are they relegation candidates this year? Um,
0: yes, they definitely are. I think you look at this squad, uh, man for man, bar one or two players, uh, Wilfred Zahar, Andrew Townsend, I think there's there's a lot of players there that if Crystal Palace disappeared tomorrow, would they be Premier League footballers automatically? You know, if the as the way I look at it, if Crystal Palace folded for whatever reason tomorrow, and those players became twenty-five free agents, would those twenty-five players all be picked up by Premier League teams, or would they? And there's definitely um, some that
1: would, some that wouldn't. I see what you're
0: saying. Yeah, I think there's definitely gaps in the squads. Um, but you know what? I think maybe you are being a little bit harsh. Um, Spurs. It's a really, really hard place to go. I think there has to be a little bit of an inquiry when you concede four goals in any game. But actually. They they've they've played they've scored seven points in the league this year. They've got seven points. I think now they've played every sort of game, if that makes any sense. So they went to uh, they had Everton on the open day at home. That's a game where there's room for Palace to get a result, but they've they've got a point. At that point, we didn't know anything about Everton's away form. We thought all right, okay, decent result. Uh, they lost to Sheffield United. Alarm bells there. They go to Old Trafford and get a result. That takes.
1: Uh, loads that, of pressure off
0: yeah it takes a load of pressure off Roy has got something there and that, that game if I remember it rightly there was a little bit there was a lot of energy from Palace and there's that sort of uh, a willpower and I think they've they played for Roy and I think Roy gets things out of players like Andros Townsend um, and he seems to be able to sort of work to him and see what he's good at and get the best out of him and Townsend's playing well um, they then lost to Colchester in the League Cup but I don't think any Palace fan will be too about that um, and then they beat Villa so they've had a mix of results. They've had some. Mm-hmm. They've got a result there that they should be winning if you're going to stay in the league. They've had a bonus three points at Old Trafford. They're a disappointing one away at Sheffield United. So actually, I think to say that to pull the future Hodgson, I think the jury is still out on their season, and there's room for improvement. And Hodgson is an experienced enough, passionate manager um, that I reckon he can he can get them out of that that little slump. And they're twelfth in the league, and yeah. there are definitely worse sides there. They're, 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 you know
1: they were fourth though going into this weekend. So I mean, just goes to show how tight it is in the. In the Premier League final score at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham beating Crystal Palace by four goals to nil. So before we round off the show... Here's how the Premier League table looks. Liverpool, top of the Premier League, 15 points, five points clear of Manchester City in second. Tottenham with their 4-0 win, that takes them up to third position on eight points, which is level with Manchester United, Leicester and Chelsea, who reside in sixth. Arsenal, Everton, West Ham, Southampton and Crystal Palace from seventh to 11th, all on seven points. Norwich up to 12th after their victory, their shock win over Manchester City. Burnley, Sheffield United, Brighton, Bournemouth and Newcastle complete the rest of the bottom half with Aston Villa, Wolves and Watford in the relegation zone. So before we finish the show, it's time for a game of this.
2: Very good or very bad. <laughs> was that a train? That was
1: a train at the Brilliant. start. All aboard the VAR train, everyone, because we're about to discuss three decisions which VAR was involved with over this weekend's Premier League fixtures. I want you to tell me whether they were very good or very bad.
0: Very good. Oh, very bad.
1: So we'll start with Brighton against Burnley. Ashley Westwood was penalised for a high foot on Neil Morpay. The ref gave a yellow card. VAR kept it as a yellow. Are you going, Johnny, with very good decision or a very bad decision?
2: Uh, do I have to use the term very good? Oh, well, you've boring. said it now. You've already oh, said yeah, it. Once. I've had, no, that's ruined my point. Uh, it was. Uh, I think it was the right decision. Um, I think Mupai ducked, um, and I don't think there was any intent. His eyes were on the ball the whole time. Westwood's. Um, I don't think it was any you know, sort of malicious intent or anything. So I think the yellow card was the right decision in that situation. Um, he didn't, didn't you know, go to Nigel De Jong in full force in the face. Um, he just, just went for the ball, and yeah, yellow card was given, and I think they're backed up by both uh, me and VAR. So uh, they'll be very happy with that.
1: Okay, so that's a, a correct decision for VAR from Johnny's point of view, Alex. I think an incorrect decision. Oh, uh, very bad for
0: Alex. Very bad. I agree. I agree with Johnny. I don't Use the pre-agreed terms. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> I didn't leave my contract. Uh, you know the rules, mate. You will, you will, yeah, you will get involved in any ridiculously titled game in the show. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, var bad. Do I have to say VAR? That goes through <laughs> no, me. Just you can say, we've done it now. has gone. I'm going to say VAR. Okay, VAR-y VAR, VAR, bad. It oh, makes my skin crawl. Yes. Uh, it was var bad. I, no, it, I, I don't think there was any intent in it. I'm happy to admit that. But you can't go waving your foot around at that height. Um, and just because the player moved towards the ball, what did he expect? Of course, was the player so move towards the ball. Um, I, I think it's reckless. I think uh, it could have been dangerous. And similar to the Mane one. Uh, against Edison. I don't think McMahon is at all that sort of player. I think he was just getting a bit a little bit carried away. But for me, it's a red card.
1: Okay, interesting. I think, you know what, when you see ones like this, it reminds me of, do you remember Nani in the Champions League from Manchester United a few seasons ago, where he got sent off for, I can't remember who it was against. Was it against Real Madrid, perhaps? Manchester United. Uh, he tried to bring the ball down. The ball was coming down from the sky and he tried to control it. And his foot was so high and he ended up studding someone in the chest. And all the United fans were up in arms and they were like, that can't be a red card. He had his eyes on the ball. He was trying to control the ball. It doesn't matter where your eyes are. If your stud's up at chest height or face height, that's dangerous play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's
1: got to be a red card, surely. I don't know about this one. I think this is a tough one because I'm also siding with Johnny with his head ducking down. But I do see what you mean by the high foot and what did he expect? He knew the player was going to go there. That's a really tough one. I think I'm just going to sway with a very good decision (sighs) just because... I think the referee saw it, made the decision, gave the yellow, and you know it was one of those where I think if he gave a red, I don't think VAR would have overturned the red. So I think it was one of those where whatever the referee was going to do, they were going to stick with it. So that's Can the first one.
0: Presentary good, presentary bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a bit. <laughs> like- choo, choo. <laughs> On yeah. Sunday
0: edition of the sports social, uh, Niall <laughs> me.
1: Yeah, is that my train at Piccadilly ready to cart me out? Yeah. Cart me out the studio. Um, okay, the next one: Liverpool versus Newcastle United. Jamal Lascelles on Trent Alexander-Arnold. Lascelles appeared to pull him down mid-jump whilst a cross was coming into the penalty area. Referee said no penalty. VAR agreed. Newcastle United fan Johnny Sharples says,
2: "Oh, it's definitely not a penalty, <laughs> even though it was like he basically tried to stone cold stunner uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold." Um, I can see I can see why it would have been given if it was given, um, and I think if it was given, VAR would have backed it up. But um, yeah, I. If 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 it was the other way around and and, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold had his arm around Jamal Lascelles and we were attacking, um, should that have ever happened? um, (laughs) Then yeah, I would have been disappointed we didn't get the penalty. But I can see why it wasn't given. Um, So I'm gonna because it's Newcastle um, uh, and there's no repercussions of me saying this. I'm gonna say that um, it's very good. I
1: just love the wincing from the other side of the <laughs> studio every time someone says very good or very bad. It's so cringy. Um, Alex, what are you going with there? Uh, I would like to say very good
0: because I think it's about time that Liverpool had their share of the um, VAR disappointment, which is slowly working its way through the league. City had ours early on. Spurs had theirs a couple of weeks ago and I'd like it to be Liverpool's turn. Um, but I, th- I do think it was a little bit uh, on the physical side for me and I think...
1: Uh, there were grounds for grounds for a pen. Uh so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go progressionally very bad. Final one, Sheffield United versus Southampton. Probably the most controversial one of the weekend. Ollie McBurney scored a goal from a low free kick. The ball comes into the middle of the penalty area. John Egan goes to head the ball, misses the ball, and McBurney taps in at the far post unmarked. VAR disallows the goal for Sheffield United. What are you saying, Johnny?
2: I loathe to side with uh, VAR for a third time, but I think they got it right. If Egan doesn't make a, a massive, he he really goes for that heady. He mm. doesn't quite, uh, he doesn't connect, obviously, but. Um, if he doesn't make that um, attempt, then I think if McBurney puts it in, I think he would have put it in regardless um, of Egan's attempts. Um, I think they would have given it if if Egan hadn't tried, but obviously he did. And obviously the temptation's there to do it when the ball's right in front of you. And he he'd probably had question marks over him if he hadn't attempted to make that header. Um, but yeah, his attempts sort of do distract the defenders, do sort of bring him as an active player. Um, and so yeah, I think the right decision was reached, and he it was offside.
0: Uh, absolutely I, I, I agree this time I think uh, VR got it right um, Egan runs across doesn't connect with it but the uh, defender follows him and leaves McBurney unmarked at the back post maybe if Egan wasn't there at all uh, goalkeeper might come to collect it so I think Egan was interfering with play uh, without any contact um, and from, from the angle that I saw you, there's so many flailing limbs you can't actually tell from the angle I saw of whether McBurney is on or off. Um, but it's one of these ones where VAR got it right, and I will say uh, VAR is good or VAR is good or whatever we're committing to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't care anymore. Um, but it's one of those where I, I would rather, in these scenarios anyway, that we go back to the old rule where the referee in that shift out gives the benefit of the doubt to the striker anyway, and we don't have to go to VAR because the worst thing about it was Ollie McBurney. Uh, running off to the fans, getting all excited, Sheffield United fans jumping up and down everywhere. And then, um, there's this kind of weird pause and everyone has to go and watch the screen you get that kind of 30 seconds of uncertainty and then you're not allowed to, it's just a really naff feeling and I just think it, it, It is sucking the fun out of football, the way.
1: Oh, Begrudgingly, I'm going to have to agree with you both. Um, and I say begrudgingly because any sort of suffering or disappointment you can inflict upon Southampton is absolutely <laughs> welcomed from my end of the desk, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I think that's a clean sweep. I think the right decision was made. He, he attempts to play the ball. He's not dummying the header or anything like that. Even then, he's still sort of interfering with play or whatever the words they use nowadays. He's tried to score the header and completely missed the ball. Um, and if he did score, the header he would have been offside anyway. So I think that, that the VAR got that one correct. It's so
0: the thing with VAR, isn't it? Is it, it it's it, it's on the absolute absolute whole making the right decision because professional referees, when they get a proper look at it, can make the right decision. Yep. But it's just it is sucking the fun out of stuff a little bit, isn't it? Is that is that not the main criticism? Not that it not that it's. It's rubbish. It's just boring.
1: And it, it creates talking points, VAR, but so does so does bad decisions, bad referee decisions, human error. It's part of the game. It's part of football. It's, it's what makes good talking points down the pub. It's what makes good talking points on podcasts like this. And instead we're talking about VAR should have done this or VAR should have done that. And we're actually probably taking away culpability from players. You know, if so-and-so's punched someone in the face in the pub after the game you're going well you know Alex shouldn't have punched Johnny in the face during that match instead of talking about that saying Alex is a thug Alex is a monster why has he punched Johnny in the face instead we're talking about why VAR didn't get the decision oh VAR's a joke VAR should have spotted it not condemning the actual actions of that player so I think sometimes it deflects off the actual on-field issues that we see
0: you know you're right and uh, the answer to your question is because that's how passionately I feel about very good or very bad that I uh, I did punch Johnny in the face. Sorry about that. (laughs) It's
1: all right. Uh, Anyway, thank you for listening to Football Social Daily. This has been the Premier League Review Show here on a Sunday. Don't forget we have podcasts every single day of the week. We'll be back at it on Monday with a Premier League update. All the latest news, opinion and analysis on the greatest league in the world. And on a Friday and a Saturday, we'll have a Premier League preview show for you so you can look ahead to the weekend's action. Make sure you follow us on social media as well, at the sports social on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you disagree with anything we've said or all of it, get involved. On Twitter, let us know what you think. Uh, We want to hear from you, whatever club you might support. Also, if you have an Amazon Alexa, make sure you find our sports social skill. All you need to do is ask Alexa to open sports social and we'll give you daily team news updates as well as Premier League match reports and match previews as well. I've been Narman Thank you very much, Johnny. Thanks for coming in. Hopefully we'll see you again soon.
2: Hopefully, yeah. I'm sure he will. Are you sure you will? <laughs> just, I just so I left positive. that a bit too open there. He's so
1: positive that he's going to... You will be back, I'm sure. And Alex Hilton, likewise. Hope the pub goes well, mate. Thanks very much. I'm Thank sure there's a much. cold pint waiting for you back in uh, in uh, the Midlands when you get back down there.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, 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 I'll make you, the drive worthwhile.
1: What's your tipple of choice at the moment, mate? Uh,
0: I've discovered a, a great little brewery called Byatt's uh, in Coventry. And got, we've got a uh, Phoenix Gold on at the minute, which is a lovely, Phoenix yeah, Gold. strong, reliable.
1: This has been Football Social Daily. Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll be back tomorrow.
0: Bye. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.